Welcome everybody. I am Rachel Levy-Lesser. And I'm Stephanie Goldstein, and this is Life's Accessories, a podcast about accessories, clothing, fashion, and the stories behind them. We are two friends who love to accessorize and who remember what we wore on pretty much every meaningful occasion and almost every day. And that is what we so love to talk about. We sure do. You can follow us on Instagram at Life's Accessories Podcast and also on Facebook. And you can also email us at lifesaccessoriespodcast at gmail.com with comments, questions, or accessory suggestions. It's our own little suggestion box. If you like what you're listening to, we would love it for you to share this podcast with a friend and rate and review us wherever you get your podcast. Also, do not forget to subscribe so that you never miss an episode. Today, we are excited to talk with New York Times bestselling author, Allison Wynne Scotch. Allison was a freelance writer for many years. And remember all of those 10 ways to a better life magazine articles we used to read, Rach? I read those so often. (laughs) Yeah. I felt like I could have written them and I love a good list, right? Oh, sure do. Well, Allison wrote on pretty much every subject and wrote hundreds of celebrity profiles as well. Very cool. I can tell you that from there, Allison went on to become a prolific novelist. Most recently, her novel, The Rewind, which can be pitched as The Hangover Meets When Harry Met Sally. It's a return to her romantic comedy roots, and it was published in the fall of 2022. I actually read it uh, a little while ago, and I posted about it. One of the things I loved about it was she talked a lot about the 90s, because it took place Mm -hmm. in the 90s, and there Mm -hmm. was a lot of 90s fashion, which I was loving. We have to talk to her about that. Yes. So The Rewind is currently in development at Netflix, which is very cool. And her next book, which is coming out later this year, is called Take Two, Birdie Maxwell. And that can be pitched as Notting Hill meets The Proposal, which obviously that sounds amazing. (laughs) Another home run of a pitch. For sure. Yeah. One of her other novels, Between Me and You, is currently in development with Carrie Washington's production company and Audible.com. So stay tuned for the Romantic Comedy Podcast in 2020. Hi, Allison, and welcome to Life's Accessories. Thank you for having me. I appreciate being here. Well, we are so happy to have you, Allison. So I have the honor of asking you the question that is burning what accessory are you going to share with us today? Sure. So I had mentioned you guys, I'm actually sort of, a, I am the opposite of a hoarder. Like I think that there's something pathologically wrong with me where like, I just throw stuff out. It's like a joke in my family. But so I was looking through to find my life's accessory. I have a Stussy hat here from my college days where um, if you saw me in college, I was wearing this for sure. And I actually was going to wear it for our interview, but I saw like it's broken in the back and I have to pin it. It's sort of a mess, but I cannot bring myself to part with it. So I don't know if you guys share pictures, but it is a, I guess a Rastafarian color. It has a, I think that might be what it is actually meant to represent, but Juicy was big in the nineties. Yes, it was. Well, we will screen for our listeners. We will screenshot this and we will post it, of course, with this episode. But did you buy it yourself in college? Was it a gift? I did. I think I got it at Urban Outfitters on campus, which no Urban Outfitters is prevalent. (laughs) I have teenagers, but back then it was not what it is now. 
And there was one right on our college campus where we got like our baby doll dresses. And I really regret getting back to my original point that I threw everything out, like throwing out my Doc Martens and my (laughs) high-waisted Levi's because I have a teenage daughter who would wear all of that now. I bought it. I bought it myself. That's so funny you said that because I have a teenage daughter too. And for our listeners, Alice and I actually both went to the same college around the same time where you're apart. Yeah. And so the Urban Outfitters was a big fixture at University of Pennsylvania campus. Correct. It was like we had an Urban Outfitters and then we had like a shoe store that also sold sketchy things. And <laughs> it was by the wing store, fingers, wings, and other things. Yeah. Like that. So yeah. back in the day in West Philly, the pickings were slim. Oh, so- yeah. Urban Outfitters was great. And I totally agree with you because my teenage daughter, I just took her to Urban Outfitters the other day. And she basically is now wearing all the clothes I used to wear. Then I don't know where they are right now. What comes around goes around. Styles come back. We know that for sure. I definitely should not have thrown all that stuff out. And that is a good point. Like, again, back then, Urban Outfitters was like the only option that we had. And I have since been back to campus as I'm sure other people have been, not necessarily our college, but other, and it has exploded. And they're like nice boutiques and, uh, you know, a variety of options that we didn't have. But back then, if you wanted something for a party, that was your only option. So unless you wanted to go downtown, whatever. So I spent a lot of time and probably money at Urban Outfitters. Now there's like a new one on campus and it's nicer and whatever. I love that you've brought on a hat because this is our first hat on the Life Successories podcast. Welcome to the hat. I'm laughing too, because I too have kept a couple college hats, like the baseball caps. And one is a Stussy and one is a Clemson hat. I did not go to Clemson, but (laughs) I, but a friend of mine, I just decided to claim it as my own. And I was like, no, I I like that hat. You'll give that to me, right? Sure. I've kept those hats. You've kept your hat. Why the hat of all things? Cause I can't, I don't even know why I've kept mine. Think about this. That is such a good question. There is something, as I said, I throw so much out and it's a problem. Like it's not a problem. I just, I'm not a particularly sentimental person in terms of like attaching myself to items. I mean, I do have things in my house. Again, your readers can't see it. I have a painting behind me that means a lot to me. I have an old typewriter that means a lot to me, but clothing and accessory wise, I don't know. It's just not in my DNA. But the hat thing, I think that there is something specific for me about sort of the armor of wearing a baseball hat. And particularly, I can remember in college, we had like a main artery called Locust Walk, where we would all walk down. And I wore my hat all the time. And I remember people saying to me, they felt like I was unfriendly. I have a, I have a resting bitch face. And I think just because I put my hat on and it just sort of, I would wear whatever headphones, probably like the yellow Sony ones. And it just, it made me feel very insulated. Like Nobody had to bother me. I didn't have to talk to people and I'm friendly, but I'm also introverted when right. I, you know, want my time. And I think even now, like I enjoy wearing a baseball hat, even I'm in middle age. I just think there is something a little bit protective about it. And maybe for me, I have held on to these for so long because um, it ties into like what I write and sort of my memory of that time, which is very special for me. So I think I've just been unable to throw it out. It would be representative of sort of tossing out that era of my life. Yeah, I, I, I totally relate to that. Of myself wearing this, yeah. like when my friends and I moved into like our row house junior year, like yeah. when we were cleaning and I was, I don't know, it's just, it makes me 
think of those moments moving in and yep. whatever, eating golden grams with my friends late at night in my, in our house. And, you know, <laughs> Rachel's golden like, grams. Yeah, also I mean, oatmeal toast crunch, yeah. total sugar. Yeah. Oh um, yeah, for sure. Total sugar. <laughs> That's amazing. Welcome to your hat. Stephanie's right. It is our first hat, I, but you, I know you did talk about being a writer and you have a very cool painting of a typewriter back there. I don't know if it's yes, a poster or painting. I know this is probably a long answer, but can you tell us how you became a writer and how you became such a prolific writer with your 10th book coming out this year? Sure. Well, actually, and it ties back to college, which again, may be part of the reason that I actually have a harder time letting go of a few things like from that era. I had always been a good writer in high school and my high school English teacher had said, oh, you should consider doing this. We are all of the same age and this is pre-internet. So that felt like a absolutely preposterous thing. Like how did you even go about becoming a writer? I didn't really consider it, but at Penn, we have a newspaper, they they still do, the Daily Pennsylvanian, and in it, which I assume they still do, they have an op-ed column, and you had to apply for it. It was sort of quite prestigious, and you got like your little picture every other week. Rachel, I don't know if you remember this, and mm-hmm. I applied for it my senior year secretly, thinking I would never get it. You know, what your high school teachers tell you is irrelevant. And I got it. And it was shocking to me that somebody thought my writing was good enough to do that to do. But also it was it was very validating. Like, oh, well, okay, maybe my high school English teacher was correct. And it gave me the confidence. You know, I didn't start out writing right away from college. I got a job in PR. I hated it. I quit. I had to temp because my parents were like, you gotta pay some bills. So I tempted Goldman Sachs for like mm. our fellow friends who had just graduated from one. Yep. It's like, can I get you some coffee today? Yeah. We were in class together and now I work for you. <laughs> yeah, 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 literally, exactly. Yeah. But they were staying there till like two in the morning and I was right. like, you know, heading up. This is a very long story. I started doing some web copy with another friend um, from school who was launching an internet company. And then I was able to segue into ghostwriting. And then I segued into magazines for many, many years. And then eventually when I had my kids and they were really little at the time, the magazine world, I I was quite prolific. I was doing like maybe six stories a week and it was just unsustainable with little kids with the deadline. So I'd always wanted to write a book. And this also circles back to our college. I got our alumni magazine and there was a woman in it a couple years ahead of us named Sarah Dunn. I don't know if you've since read her book. She's a wonderful writer who was publishing her second novel. And I was like, maybe my late twenties. And I was like, how has she done this? And I've always wanted to write a book, but I have not done it. So that inspired me to get off my ass and write my first manuscript. That's the long version of how I started. Are are you writing constantly? Because I mean, to have 10 books and all the articles, et cetera, what's your day like? So it really depends. I prefer when I, when you say writing constantly, I really need downtime uh, mm-hmm. in between projects. I have friends, uh, Rachel. I don't know if you're like this. I don't know where they just are constantly producing, and I don't. I am not like that. So I need a decent amount of time between starting and finishing. When I'm writing, like when I'm in the cycle, I'm writing every morning. And then if I choose to go back to it, I do. But this past year has been really brutal. I had back-to-back books due. I wrote a podcast series for Carrie Washington based on one of my books. And the book that is done that Rachel mentioned that's coming out next year, I really like now, but it was 
so much harder to get to where it needed to be because I just wasn't ready to dive back into that creative space, but contractually I was obligated to, which is fine. That's a good situation to be in, but I don't like to be writing constantly to answer your question. (laughs) I have my own routines. And I think maybe one of the reasons I convinced Stephanie to start this podcast with me, or maybe she convinced me to start with her so that I could take a break from writing a little bit. It is hard to find the time. I wanted to focus a little bit on your most recent book that came out in the fall of 2022, The Rewind, speaking of college and speaking of your 90s hat, because it was like a throwback to a first love college romance that took place in the 90s. I think I posted about it. I loved it. Thank you so much. Yeah. And I'm just curious what prompted you to write that book. And then how do you, from writing in the nineties to writing in present day with 10 books under your belt right now, how do you keep it fresh, change it up? Or maybe do you try to have some consistency? Yeah, no, that's a good question. I probably sort of in line with like my need to get rid of stuff. I like to constantly have something new on the horizon and I don't like to repeat myself very often in my books. I think one thing that I do struggle with is trying to find ways to be new in my writing. And some authors are totally thrilled to, I don't know, write different iterations of their same theme. And that is totally fine. And we all still love reading them. I just get bored very easily. I don't believe in horoscopes, but I'm always like, I'm such a Gemini. Like, I just need like something else to, go, to happen. I do that too. Yeah, I, I, as like, a fellow Gemini, but I am a Gemini. Wait, I are am, you a Gemini? I am. I am too, and I can yes. so relate to that. Yes. Yes. I'm very that Aquarius, is... even though I don't believe in it either. Yeah, exactly. Like it's all yeah. yes, but like I believe in it exactly. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to do the '90s because, as I mentioned at the top, I. Love that era in our lives. I had a really wonderful college experience. And I also do really, I am a nostalgic person and I enjoy spending time, like emotional time in that era of our lives. I think there's something really special about Rachel, I mean, I know you have a college student and Stephanie, I don't know, but if you do or not, but um, we talk about it all the time. She's on the college tour scene. Yeah. Okay. So I have that circuit. We have an upcoming episode about accessories needed to tour colleges with your child. Oh yeah. I mean, I think the biggest accessory is patience. That could be something that you could bottle and carry. And I have one headed to college. So I think there is just something really special about that time when Nothing is permanent in your life. Like you Mm -hmm. haven't made any choices. You don't have kids. You haven't gotten married, which I guess doesn't have to be permanent, but you haven't gone down a career path that maybe it's too late to peel back. And I love writing characters who have that open road. So the nineties just made sense to me. It felt like very just intuitive. And I haven't written a book. I don't think set in that time period yet. So it was a fun way to explore second chance love, old friendships, regrets that you may have had that are still possible to change. And I think those are things that I do explore throughout most of my books. I just try to find new ways to do it, but it's not interesting to me to write the same thing again or a similar thing. Well, speaking of new ways of doing things, we also, we shared in the introduction before you came on that your book Between You and Me, and you mentioned it's in development with Kerry Washington's production company and Audible to be turned into a romantic comedy podcast. Tell us what that's all about. So this has been really fun, although... I was going to say something about the writer's strike. It's all a mess right now. It is what it is. I live in LA and I am. I have a friend who is a very well-established screenwriter and he had read the book and was like, 
we 100% should write the script. And it's a very complicated structure of a book where it's about a long-term marriage and the one character tells it from the start of their divorce and the other character tells it from the start of when they met. So it's sort of like a kaleidoscope wow. of a narrative. Right. So he's like, this is amazing. This is a, is a feature. And I was like, okay, the book almost <laughs> killed me. I have no idea how to write this as a script, like, but I'm on board if you're on board. And anyway, COVID hit, nobody was filming. We were just in, I don't know, we talked about doing it in an audio way. And Carrie's team was looking for something. So we wrote eight episodes. The writing is done, supposedly. I think they were starting to cast it, but now everything's, I don't know, mm. it's all a mess. With the long-term plan, ideally, of maybe setting up the TV series. It was just, it, you know, it sort of gets back to me being like, yeah, like, let's do this. It's new and different and it's not boring. So I was interested and I've never written with a partner before. So that was really great. You know, again, just getting back to, I don't like to be bored. So it gave me something new to do. Podcasting is exploding. So it seemed like a really cool way to tell a story. That's very cool. We obviously are the podcast space. So we love love the whole thing. Speaking of other cool ways to develop your work, um, we also read about how the Rewind, which we just were talking about a minute ago, is in development and Netflix. So tell us about that. So that I am not writing. The team who, the producers had an amazing writer who they had already worked with. And um, as you guys may or may not know, or as your listeners may or may not know, the chances of something getting made in Hollywood, even if it's bought, are so Mm -hmm. slim. That I was like, whatever you guys need to do, hire her, great. Whatever it it has to do to get into production. So again, I think that script is done, but I do not know with the writer strike what, um, like where we are. I'm expecting it any day now, but it might need another draft and then it's going to take, who knows, no screenwriters or no members of the Writers Guild can write right now. So everything sort of in Los Angeles right now is like, up in the air. I've gotten so many calls like, can we do this? Can we do that? Nobody knows. It seems like it is an amazing place for the book. It's a straight down the middle rom-com, which Netflix is great at. It's exciting. We had a bunch of, we had a few different offers and I felt like my agents advised me obviously, and they just felt like Netflix was the right place for it. So we'll Mm -hmm. see, see what happens. The strike is really sort of a bummer for a variety of reasons. We'll be looking out for it on Netflix Thanks. in the next yeah. couple. Yeah, we are open. We will give you ideas of who should play who. Right? Thank you. I know. Like- I'm very curious. Yeah. Like if it gets to casting, I don't have any, I mean, I do, but like, it would just be such a thrill. So it'd be fun to dress them all too in the nineties fashion. Oh yeah. my God. Right? Take the, the costume team to Urban Outfitters and just say, I know. have a right? great time. Can I shift gears a little bit and ask you about the Adopt a Library program, which you started in 2022? Yeah, thank you, Rachel. It's so funny. My niece just texted me yesterday, like, I have all these books. Where can I donate them? So I'm thinking of reviving it this summer. It feels like a summer thing. Last spring or summer, I was contacted by a librarian in, I always mix up and I don't mean to be provincial, like Al, I think it was Alabama. It might be Arkansas, but um, asking if I could donate some of my books because she didn't have the budget for it. I said, of course, can I send you other books? I'm sure as you guys know, like as authors, we get sent so many books that for free that 
some of which I'd like to keep, but some of which I'm happy to donate back to people who are not as fortunate. So I put together a whole box of pretty recent reads and I sent them off to her and it occurred to me, I said, look, do you have other librarians who you know who also are in this position? And she did. And then it occurred to me that I have all these writer friends or even just fortunate families who I think a lot of people don't think about the fact that going to a bookstore is a luxury. Like you can just go Mm -hmm. in and Mm -hmm. buy whatever you want. And plenty of people are not in that position. A lot of writer friends and parents who have like kids books or kids about grown. We started a whole initiative and we ended up sending out about 2,500 books to various libraries. And then I have a friend who's Husband is the CEO of Lids. That oh, ironically, oh, oh well, that's <laughs> interesting. I know. Look at that. <laughs> and they were looking to put up some grants, so I went through the public library, like did did a bunch of research. So then they gave out ten thousand dollars to ten different libraries to help support their collections. And you know, it has just been like the writing and the books. That's great. I do feel like you might reach a certain point in your life if you were in that position where it is almost more gratifying to be doing something like this. Like I say to my husband, I'm like, I'm just ready to retire and go fundraise for librarians. I mean, because librarians are obviously having quite a difficult time right now with book bans Mm -hmm. and, you know, a variety of things that they are going through. And I just loved it. Like I'm sure you guys, I have so many books here that I've read once and now they just sit here. And you know that I could put them in a box and send them media mail, which is like 10 bucks and have that, like have the stories passed along to people who don't otherwise have access is to me, it was genuinely among the more gratifying things that I have done in a long time. So Mm. that's the you'll Will you continue to grow it? Yeah. You know, it got to be where I felt like I had sort of maxed out on bothering people to like go to the post office and ship things where you could only post so many times and beg your friends. But I feel like maybe over the summer, people might like clean out their bookshelves or they have more time. So I'm thinking maybe this summer we'll do it again. Um, Mm -hmm. Because it's not like these libraries don't uh, still have the need. It was just, it was it was quite a big endeavor for me to be organized. I loved it. And like, you know, people got thank you notes, like from the classrooms that they sent these things into and from the library librarians themselves. I don't know why I'm having such a hard time pronouncing that word. Um, but I think it's because last night in the middle of the night, my daughter woke me up saying, you didn't sign me up for the AP that I have to take tomorrow. And I was like, I did. Why are you waking me up? It's two in the morning. Anyway. You I are did. living our lives. It's AP yeah. this week yeah. and next week. Yeah. I'm literally like, what, what is uh, that? The house is burning down. She's like, you didn't sign me up. I'm like, I did. Leave me alone. Anyway, I did. Not an email that about well, that's very cool. And I want to talk to you offline because I have so many books that I'd love yeah. to help Okay. You thank you. Again, like I, I, so my niece reached out to me yesterday and I pinged one of my easy contacts at the library and she could take them. So I think I do have sort of a network of librarians who I can just email and say, what can I send you? Um, yeah. And these are places where they have like no budget, like they cannot right. expand their collections. I'm sure like you guys, reading was so foundational for me. My mother was an English teacher. Um, we were in a fortunate position where we didn't, books were not a problem, everything whatever we wanted came in. And I have the rule with my kids. If you want a book, of course, you know, like whatever, buy whatever you want. So many people. And I think it's, you don't even realize, do not have the luxury of just like, oh, $20, sure, buy. 
And then, you know, for whatever, four hours of entertainment, a lot of people aren't in that position. It felt like a a real way that I could contribute sort of my expertise and my online reach. So love that. So I want to go back to the hat and and ask you, uh, where do you keep it? Are you wear it? Like, do you wear it? Or do you just sort of keep it in the closet? I don't wear it. So for our reunion, our first reunion got bounced because of COVID. So we all did a Zoom back when Zoom was new and I did wear it. For my Zoom. Oh, I love that. Um, the snap is broken, which I didn't realize. So I think I just need to safety pin it. And I think it also probably really needs to be washed. It's very faded <laughs> um, and probably has like Philadelphia grime on it from 25 years ago. Yeah, but that's the best. That's the character, right? Like, that's the character. Like I feel like you can't wash it because then you're like stripping away all like that's, the memories and the grime. What is that? What is, I like? Don't, that, I don't that, know. It's why you keep the hats. Why I keep I, my hats. That's exactly right. So I don't wear it, but it hangs in my closet. Like I know exactly where it was today to bring to you guys. And <laughs> Thank um, you. Yeah, it's funny. As I said, like I am not a, sent- a, a materialistically sentimental person. Like I really am fine generally donating and getting rid of stuff, but this just... I don't know. But you know what? You said something earlier, though, about being a nostalgic person, right? Like you don't hang around really? to like a whole lot of stuff. But to your earlier point about the hat and it's like part of you and shielding you and protecting you and it's part of your life and how you're moving through the world. I totally get that as a nostalgic piece. That's exactly what it is. Like I obviously have like fancier clothing items and, you know, things that I have kept to pass on to my daughter, but I don't know that they have an emotional resonance with me as much as like a... Stussy hat from 1995. And so I think that's why I wanted to bring this. I mean, for even the rewind book, like that is what it's all about. It's just about that nostalgia and getting back to that and sort of our youths. Like, so weird because it feels like that time. I mean, it was a long time ago, but it doesn't feel that long ago. It's really hard to, to sort of come to terms with that. I mean, I agree. We are all sort of on the cusp of these milestone birthdays. And every day I have to sort of, I literally like do a check-in or I'm like, that doesn't seem possible. And it's not like denial of, I don't know, like I'm not out partying. Like I was in my twenties. It just, I don't know. It doesn't seem possible. And you know, we did have our reunion this year. Rachel, did you go? Yes. We overlapped that horribly rainy day because of COVID they had like three years together. It was awesome. Uh, That made it feel even more like we were still back in college. Yes. Cause you were with all the friends. Yes. So I wrote about this for parents about how sort of mind trippy it was and having kids who were going off the same age. And there was something very bittersweet about it, not just because we're getting older, but because with those three years there, it really felt like we were 21 again. And when you got home, like text chains were flying. Yes. Everybody was sharing pictures. It was very emotional, um, you know, to especially point, after three years of COVID. Correct. That we, yeah. you know, but, but that like, We'll never be, we'll never have that again, but we managed to have it for a few days there. And I don't know, it was, it hit me hard, you know. Some of my friends who were there get a group text going and our comment after that weekend was, we've decided we need to find a compound big enough that we can move in together with all of our families and we'll just live like we used to live. It'll be fun. Yeah. Yeah. 
I think a lot, a lot of friend groups feel that way. It's true. There's lots of comfort in that. That's for sure. Can you tell our listeners where they can find you out in the world, like social media? Yeah, thank you. I'm on Instagram at ASWIN because Win's my maiden name and I just never made the handle switch. Um, so A as in Allison, S as in my middle name, Win W-I-N-N. And then I'm actually at that handle everywhere. Um, I don't really use Facebook very often. But I'm on Twitter, which I'm also, it's like dying a slow death and I'm, <laughs> it's a nightmare now, but, um, you know, generally Instagram, I guess these days. So that's where the cool kids are hanging out. And that's where Stephanie makes the best reels you've ever seen. Oh, oh. I'm excited to see. Oh, I can't yes. wait to see what she's going to do with this hat reel and the music. <laughs> yeah. The, this doozy hat. The pressure Uh-oh. is on. I know. Yeah. It's yeah. on. So that's where I am. And then my books are, I guess, I don't know, anywhere you buy books or the library, you know, got to get this library. Support your libraries. This was so much fun talking to you, Allison. Yeah, Allison, thank, thank you so much for joining us and to our listeners. Thank you for tuning in and we will see you next time. Thanks, guys. 